You're listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org. Keep your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 6 or page 1163 in that pew Bible right in front of you. I'm excited to begin a series on spiritual warfare, and we turn to the classic passage in Ephesians chapter 6. This is a needed time to do this. We live in a chaotic, we live in a confused time. I want to invite you later this week at 6.30 on Facebook service is we're going to continue this study throughout the next several weeks. We believe it's important with many people who are not able to come to church to have a Facebook service, and so we invite you to be a part of that, like it, share it, do all the things that you do to engage with us, and we will look forward to studying God's Word. Again, that's Wednesday at 6.30. Imagine if you were asked by friends to build a bridge. You were asked by the following to do the following. They were to say to you, we want you to build a bridge. We've got all the engineers. We've got all the masons, the carpenters, the construction workers. We've made sure that all the supplies are necessary. Here are the blueprints. All we need you to do is supervise the project. Would you do it? Well, you go home to pack, having agreed to do it, and you get a text from the same group of people who've asked you to build the bridge, and it begins, the text begins this way, uh, oh, by the way, the bridge that you're to build is in the Persian Gulf in the shark-infested waters, and oh, by the way, the Iranian Navy will do everything possible to stop the building of this bridge, including mines in the harbor, and the Iranian naval fleet willing to do all that's necessary to deter you from the construction of this. It's a pretty, pretty big piece left out, isn't it? When you begin to consider that, you begin to understand that the Bible tells us that spiritual life is a battle. There is a conflict, there is a battle that is happening And we're going to find that the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ, you battle with God on the forces of evil. Let's just jump right in. Look at me beginning in verse 11, what I'm calling realize that life is a spiritual battle. The Bible says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It was a peaceful, quiet morning on the 7th of December 1941 around 7.55 a.m., when 353 Japanese aircraft from six different carriers were to attack our naval forces. Many believe that the attack came as a complete surprise. But history tells us that the American forces had at least three distinct warnings as to what was to happen before the 7th of December. The first of which were to happen on the 16th of October of that year, the second on the 24th of November, and the third on the 27th of November. And the three were the following, quote, this dispatch to be considered a war warning, end quote. Quote, negotiations have ceased, and quote, execute an appropriate defense deployment. Despite those three warnings, Admiral Kimmel, on the morning of the 7th of December, had some of his personnel go on shore leave. A message was sent 7 a.m. Pearl Harbor time. 
indicating that we had decoded, indicating that the Japanese wanted a meeting with the U.S. Secretary of State. That would not arrive until 10-something that morning, and when it did arrive, it would not be read by General Marshall until 11.15 that day because he was riding his horse. To make matters worse, that the clear indication of attack was impending, those at Pearl Harbor themselves had two incidents that would raise the hair on the back of your neck given the circumstances of the day. The first of which was the USS Candor, a minesweeper, encountered a Japanese sub four hours before the attack that day. Two and a half hours later from the USS Candor encountering the Japanese sub, the commander of the destroyer USS Ward sent a message saying he had been attacked, fired upon, dropped death charges upon a submarine operating in the defensive area near near Pearl Harbor. One individual manning the radar, United States Army Private George Elliott, noted a large flight of planes, but a few minutes and a few hours prior to the attack, it was dismissed because the United States was to have some B-17s in the area. All in all, because of the missing of all of these indicators, more than 2,400 American personnel died, nearly 1,400 were wounded. Our Pacific Naval Fleet was crippled at the moment as 16 warships were sunk and 188 aircraft were destroyed. It would take us years to regain strength and defeat the Japanese of the Pacific. Leave the Pearl Harbor for a moment and go to the modern world, if you will. The phone that you probably have near you or in your hand has a very powerful, powerful camera. In fact, among the things it can do is add a filter to pictures. It can make you perhaps look younger or make you look like George Clooney, whatever that camera is able to do. And oftentimes, one of the most popular posts on Instagram today comes with a hashtag, no filter. Let me ask you a serious question. Are you filtering out supernatural evil in our day? Have you failed to see the impending warnings? There's a spiritual battle that's happening. Do you think that everything is, that's involved with presently is nothing more than flesh and blood? Or do you understand that there are forces, cosmic forces in heavenly places as described in Ephesians chapter 6? Are you filtering out supernatural evil? If you do, then you're going to have your personal Pearl Harbor moment. Because the Bible says that you are involved in a spiritual battle, and spiritual conflict. But the problem is most Christians don't even realize it. Most believers today have a filter on. They're filtering out spiritual conflict, that which is unseen that's happening that we think may happen in a foreign field, but not here. The truth is, many of God's soldiers are asleep in the barrack when they should be engaged in the battle. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Let me say that again, because you missed your amen moment. So let me give you that as a rewind. Many of God's soldiers are asleep in the barracks when they should be engaged in the battle. In fact, many Christians are losing the battle day by day because they're not even showing up for the war. You see, if you've embraced Christ by faith, then you're engaged in spiritual conflict. 
If you are a Christian, you are in battle. And the outcome of this battle is very important. The happiness of your marriage, the harmony of your home, the direction of your children, the advancement of your church, the advancement of the kingdom of God is all up for battle each and every day because the Bible teaches that every single believer goes through two fights. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're engaged in one fight, but if you're a believer, there are two fights. The first fight in your life is a fight against God, and you've got to lose that battle. You've got to wave the white flag. You've got to say to God, I surrender. The second battle, the moment you embrace Christ by faith, is a battle with God on your side against the forces of evil. There's two battles. Which are you in this morning? The first fight against God before your conversion you have to lose. The second fight, after you embrace Christ, you're fighting with God on your side. It's a second battle that begins against the forces of evil. You're in one of those two battles. So which is it? Are you against God this morning or beside God? I need to stop and ask the following. I opened up with a story about a bridge and you building it. You say, Pastor, I'm a good guy, I'm a good gal. I pay my taxes. I just want to get good grades. I want to make a good living. I don't want any of the part of this battle. Okay. So I go over to the Persian Gulf to check on you, my friend, to see how the progress on the construction of the bridge is going. And when I arrive, I find out there's no conflict whatsoever. Your life is conflict-free. Either one of two things have happened. Either you've defeated the enemy... Or the enemy does not decide that you're worthy to even target you, meaning you've given up. If you're not fighting Satan, it may be that you're not a genuine Christian. Because if you are a genuine Christian, you've got a target on your back. He's coming after you. Could it be that the reason you're not in a battle is that you're asleep and the enemy says, you're not worth the spiritual bullet. You're fighting with him, not against him. By the way, I need to ask you, do you believe in a real devil? Do you believe in a real Satan? Before you answer that, I'm going to give you two reasons why I believe that there is a real being called Satan. The first of which is because Jesus believed in a being called Satan. Jesus would be tempted by Satan. He would converse with Satan. In fact, Jesus said these words. As I quote from Luke chapter 10, he would say, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But the second reason I believe in Satan is because of the supernatural evil that I see in our day. Do you recognize the following picture and the following name, the late Justice Antonin Scalia? He was giving an interview to a left-leaning reporter from the New York Magazine. In the middle of the report, in the middle of the interview, he leans in with a whisper loud enough for everyone to hear, and he says, quote, I believe in the devil. The reporter says, you do? 
Scalia says, of course, quote, yeah, he's a real person. Reporter, have you seen the devil lately? Scalia, quote, you know it's curious in the Gospels, the devil's doing all sorts of things. He's making pigs run off cliffs. He's possessing people and whatnot. And that doesn't happen very much anymore. Reporter, so what's he doing now? Scalia, what he's doing now is getting people not to believe in him or God. He's much more effective that way, end quote. Do you believe in a real being like Satan, the devil? I believe because Jesus said that he believes, but I believe in Satan because of the supernatural I see in the world today. As we stand here for worship today, Grace Community Church in Los Angeles, California, with well-known pastor John MacArthur, is under edict from the city of Los Angeles not to meet for worship despite the Constitution. Pastor MacArthur and the leaders are incurring fines against the city, though that people are still congregating. Somehow, COVID must impact believers more on a Sunday morning than anybody in their assembly in Los Angeles. Not to be outdone, our good friends on the other coast in Washington, D.C. at Capitol Hill Baptist Church have experienced the same thing, though a judge has recently ruled in their favor. The mayor had said, you guys cannot meet indoors, cannot meet at all. When the judge handed down the ruling, he said, there's all kinds of protest happening, and the mayor is at the protest, so evidently it's okay to meet. The judge allowed them. This is spiritual warfare right before our eyes. If you think for a minute this kind of thing is going on without a prejudice against God, there is a supernatural being called Satan who's behind this. Today, as we gather for worship, pastors are abusing their privilege and their authority. Debbie was 14 years of age, attending a Baptist church in nearby Sanger, Texas, when she was first molested by her pastor. Yes, her pastor. Even though he was 12 years older than her, he would molest her for multiple years, and when she was at the age of 18, she'd become pregnant. This is supernatural evil and spiritual warfare right before our eyes. In our nation today, abortion is defended by a whole group of people who tell us it's a woman's right to do whatever with her body. Supposedly finding that truth in the 14th Amendment, what is plain to the eyesight of a sonogram is that court after court tells us it's right, but you don't need a PhD in ethics to tell you that is a baby, and that is death, and that is murder. You don't need a PhD in ethics. By the way, we're being lectured on science during the pandemic. When it comes to abortion, I believe the science. And so here we have this question, a woman's right to do with whatever her body, but at least about half of those babies aborted are little girls. What about that young lady, that future young lady's right to her body? Does she not get a say? What about the ethics of that? Doesn't she have a right to be born? When we can look at the pictures you're seeing on the screen today and call that a woman's right to choose and don't understand what is right and what is wrong, that is spiritual warfare right before our eyes and there's a being called Satan who is blinding many in our nation and around the world. There are two worldviews in conflict in America today as seen as the confirmation hearings in Amy Coney Barrett. A woman that is a good Catholic lady, I may have disagreed with, with her, but a woman who is evidently pro-life, there are those who stand in defiance of the authority, the inerrancy, and the infallibility and sufficiency 
of the Word of God. The truth is there is a being called Satan who hates this book and hates people who believe this book and will do anything necessary to shut this book down in America. That's why we're in a major crisis today. And we need to wake up. Not to be outdone is the race war. More than 30 years ago, many of you who are a little bit older remember a man named Rodney King. He was fleeing from police. He had been drinking by his own admission that night. And through a high-speed chase in the streets of Los Angeles, he was finally brought. And when the officers finally caught him, two officers beat him with nightsticks on the video. The third kicked him in the head. They were later acquitted. Acquitted. And when they were acquitted, like we're experiencing today, south-central L.A. rioted. More than 10,000 people were arrested, 2,000 people were injured, and a billion dollars in property was messed up. And that was more than 30 years ago. He asked, King did, famously, why can't we all just get along? The truth is, there's a supernatural being called Satan who spreads confusion and chaos so that the races don't trust one another, so that the genders don't trust one another, so that the generations don't trust one another. What he'll whisper in our ear, we will shout from the rooftop. He's doing everything he can to sow discord. He's at work to whisper in us and influence us. He'll do anything that possible to get black versus white, to get man versus woman, to get teenager against parent. The devil's method, the Bible tells us, is always true to form. He will lie when his lips are moving, and he always incites chaos and confusion. There is a supernatural being, and he's having a very good year. His first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and soon-to-be fourth quarter earnings are up. He is at a great profit in our nation this year. There is a spiritual battle in front of us. Verse 12 says these words, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Friend, we are at a day when Satan doesn't hide anymore and still we cannot see him. We are in a very wicked day. This is not a political battle, but it does impact politics. This isn't a physical battle, but it will impact your physical life. This isn't a battle of perception, but it will impact your perception. This is a personal battle. This isn't just fought by senators and congressmen and pastors and teachers and parents. It's fought by all of us. You may not have asked for the fight, but the fight has come to you. This is a spiritual battle that's raging beneath the surface. We cannot see it. But you've got to realize the attack that you face. We don't need believers at this moment to shrink back. We need believers to surge forward with conviction. You are a leader to your family. You are a leader to your classroom. You are a leader to your workforce. You are a leader in your Bible study. You are a leader in your rhetoric. And the direction and your passion is leading. And if you're leading with a passionless, limp, lack of conviction, that you're being washed down the flow with everyone else. Friend, even the dead fish can go with the flow. We need to stand up. We do not need to fall for our personal 
Pearl Harbor moment. We need to realize that life is a spiritual battle. Secondly, we need to understand the source of our strength. Well, we'll unpack these verses in the weeks to come. I want to highlight for you verse 10, because the Bible says quite succinctly and powerfully, be strong the Lord and the strength of his might. This year really does feel like a battle, doesn't it? It really does. The ordinary things we do, like going to school and gathering together for church and just a simple engagement, everything about this year feels like a battle. We have a moment in time when perhaps some believers are awake. What will you do when you're awake? Will you recede back to your comfort level? Or will you lead with conviction? If you're going to lead, you're going to need an extra supply of strength. The Bible tells us that life's going to demand far more from you than you have in you. So you're going to need an extra power reserve. And verse 10 tells us just where that comes from. By the way, where do you get it? If the pastor isn't preaching on it and talking about it, where do you normally go to get that extra boost of power? Is it in some sort of energy drink that you'd find at a convenience store? Some would say, well, I take a vacation for this kind of extra strength. But when your kid comes home strung out on drugs, a vacation is not going to give you the level of strength that you need. Some would go shopping for an extra boost of strength. Got nothing against shopping for the right things. But when your 30-year-old biker's son has quit his job and wants to live on your couch while your wife is being hospitalized, hospital, hospitalized with a nervous breakdown, meditation and yoga and shopping are not going to help with that. So you have a choice when it comes to looking for strength. Some will look around them. Some will look inside them. The only thing I found on the inside is navel in my limp, or lint in my navel. You're to look above. You're to look above for strength. The Bible calls upon us. It says, again, finally be strong where? In the Lord and in the strength of his might. David had this choice in his day. The Bible teaches in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that when they wanted to stone David, David's family had turned against him. Look what it says, that last sentence. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That's where he went to get strength. There's lots of places you go to get strength, but this transfer of power is necessary. By the way, when life is demanding more strength from you, it's a great thing to say, Lord, I need a transfer of power. Think about that for just a moment. The microphone I'm using, the lights above you, those projectors behind me, all those are being powered through a local substation, and that power is coming over wires to this location. We cannot power ourselves. We have an external power source that's giving us power. God will do the very same thing, only he does it wirelessly. He doesn't need lines in the sky. How do I get empowered for life's battles? Notice the little preposition in in verse 10, I-N. You'll find it twice. The first of which you'll find it be strong in the Lord. You'll be strong in the Lord. Are you in Christ? 
Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me say this a different way. It was explained to me as a young man. If the local Tarrant County judges wanted to prosecute you for being a Christian, and they brought you before a jury of your peers, would they have enough evidence to convict you of being a believer? Not your parents, not your spouse, not your children, not your pastor, you. Are you in Christ? You must embrace Jesus by faith. There's never going to be a transfer of power. You've got to connect yourself to Christ. For us to get power, we've got to be connected. When my wife's cell phone makes that noise, it frequently does, because she fails to connect it to its power source. And when she'll, I'll call her, and she'll say, hang on, I've got to call you back from another line because it's about to go out of power. You have to connect it, don't you? You have to plug the phone in. You've got to connect the building and the house to the local substation. If you're not connected to Jesus Christ by faith, you will not receive power. It just will not happen. The wire to connect you is to embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Not a confirmation class, not signing off on a creed. It's not voting for Jesus. It is being personally transformed by his love. And so the first place that you'll receive that is to be united by faith. That's the connection. The second of which you'll see back in verse 10, this power transfer. Take your eyes from verse 10 and flip back into chapter 3, verse 16, where the Word of God says this. Look at these powerful words. Paul prays, this is a beautiful prayer, that you and I would be according to the riches of God Christ's glory, that God or Christ may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So let's read that again. Verse 16 of chapter 3. That you and me, according to the riches of his glory, which are infinite, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. You know, when you come to places in life, when you quit filtering out the supernatural evil, when you quit putting all that and remove that filter, Say, Father, I need a power transfer. I need to stop at this moment. You know, too few of us are getting on our knees in 2020. Look at me. I'm talking to you. Too few of us are getting on our knees in 2020. Neither candidate is going to fix this on the 3rd of November, not fully and finally. I've got my opinions and you've got yours. This will not get changed in the White House. This will get changed in the church house and your house. But too few of us are getting on our knees and are serious about receiving strength from Christ. Your home, your children, your marriage, your church is up for grabs in this time. How bad is it? We can't even get our church to gather together. Satan is spreading chaos and confusion. He's got God's people scattered to the four corners. We need to unite together. Say, Father, we need a power transfer. We need you to come back in and step back into our lives. We need to humble ourselves. I've been looking at this for several weeks, and one of the most basic things struck me. 
the guy that wrote this spiritual warfare thing, he's in prison when he writes it. Did you know that? He's not in jail because of racial injustice. He's not in jail because he did a felony, some kind of DWI kind of thing. Paul is in jail because he was spreading the gospel. Outside of Jesus, he probably was the most successful human being at doing so. He was traveling all throughout the known world. In fact, the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is connected to the city of Ephesus. When he walked in there, they burned magic books that they were worshiping, the gods of Artemis, among others. And so they lock him up for being a Christian, for being an effective, woke Christian. Now, what if they locked you up for that? What if they locked you up and threw away the key, and a year later we saw your letters? Paul wrote a letter. What if we looked at your letters? What if we looked at my letters? If they locked me up for being a Christian in 52 weeks, I bet I would write at least 52 letters. In the 52 letters, probably I'd have written my senator, my congressman, my mayor, my wife, my kids, you, my president, and I'd be talking about how unjust this is and how you guys need to get me out of here, how the judge must be on the take, this isn't right, do they not know my rights? I would ask for a constitution and slide it in the envelope so I could send it to all those important people. But you know, when I read through the six chapters that Paul has written, not one time do I find that he's asked for his liberty. Instead, he writes for your liberty. We are in a spiritual conflict. And most of us have filtered that out. We think the problems are all just humans, to use Paul's words, Paul's words, flesh and blood. But there's a filter, and God will allow us to see it one day. Jesus himself said that when the word is being spread like it is now, Matthew chapter 13, Satan will come along, and he'll steal the word so that you will not follow Christ. If we could see that, it'd be shocking. Thanks for listening to the North Richland Hills Baptist Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to nrhbc.org.